that the best way that people can learn how to go online to a computer is to go through some of the bulletin boards. Can you first of all explain what a bulletin board is? Indeed. It's very much like the electronic equivalent of a notice board, which you find in some foyers of hotels or whatever, where people can leave messages to each other and so on, except we get through to it using a telephone. To get it to, to it, we use Prestel, so I'll dial the Prestel telephone number, which in London is 618. OK, Prestel is answering now. Switch the modem online. On the screen we can see the Prestel welcome page. I can see at the bottom of the screen it's actually telling me all the keys I have to hit to yes, continue. Yes, you've made it very simple, so you just follow the instructions on the bottom of the board, press one in that case, and here's the main menu. listening to Teletext People. Teletext People is a social record of people that have been involved in either the production or the restoration or the artwork of the blocky medium that once dominated our TV screens in Great Britain before 2012. In the series you will hear from the pioneers, the people who made it tick and also people who have only recently visited the Teletext medium but are in their own way keeping it alive for the preservation for others in the future. In this episode, I speak to Sarah Scott Rivers, who's worked extensively both with Viewdata and with Teletext. I started by asking Sarah, how did she get into Viewdata programming? Well, I worked in Liverpool in 1984 for a company who'd set up um, a public sort of public information system. They called it Rotavision and they got a contract at the Barbican to put public information throughout the the whole art centre. So they sent me down there to put the pages together and run the system. It was a cyclical text, video text or view data system. So it wasn't interactive. There was no keypads or anything. It was just rotating pages. Um, but because you could have the pages could scroll in like they would on a teletext page or they could overlay so you could actually do basic animation like we had an animated fountain for example um, so that's how I started and and really enjoyed it oh right okay so for the um, for, for the Barbican then that's the um, is that the art gallery in London it's a it's a huge art center yeah it opened I think early 80s it's got cinemas art galleries uh, it's a it's like a sort of little city on its own really it's an amazing place it's all brutalist architecture which people either love or hate but I was absolutely taken by it and I still go back now it's it's just you know wonderful place what sort of items were you having to put together on Rotavision then to uh, catch the eye of people as they were coming in? Uh, promoting what films were on, concerts like London something orchestra, I can't remember, probably symphony orchestra, I guess, uh, plays at their various theatres. So it's really kind of promoting the various arts elements of the Barbican uh, and the restaurants and you know cafes. So just a sort of text guide to what you could see when you visit. And uh, what technology were you using to uh, get that up? Were there any sort of like recognised computers or were they sort of like nameless terminals? 
BBC Micro. Yeah. There was a picture of me with very goth hair sitting in front of a BBC Micro with a Barbican logo on. And you were just using a um, sort of like a, a view data editor to, um, to display yeah. them pages? Yeah, written by the people, ITM they were called, Information Technology and Marketing in Liverpool. They wrote the software um, and obviously the Barbican was a big deal to sell it to, to them because, you know, for a Liverpool, little tiny Liverpool company selling to London. And they also did one for the Garden Festival in Liverpool as well, but that's probably way before everybody's time. The terminals that were displaying the um, the, the output, were they like cup monitors or would they use the UHF, you know, normal televisions? It, it was all done by the tech team at the Barbican, so it just appeared on TV screens around the place. I don't know the technology behind it. I just sat in this little box and pressed a button and then it magically went down their cabling and appeared around the... Uh, building oh well that sounds like a wonderful introduction into um in, into the, the the medium um and it's uh it, it, it's a shame obviously it doesn't get wider appeal because it's in in a bit of a sort of a closed system yeah and i mean you know nobody when i was working there no one really understood what i did i said i make little pictures out of squares um <laughs> it was unless you had to just say it was a bit like oracle on the tv you know um but yeah people were sort of like oh is that really a job so um, yeah, so you had you had um, some some good times there. How long did you work at the Barbican for doing that? I think I was only there for less than a year. Somebody came along from the COI, which is the Central Office of Information, uh, and he was really keen on view data and video text. And he he said, "Oh, there's a job going at DataSolve. They're looking for people." So he kind of mentioned the job, and I went along and got the job because, as as I said previously, it's, you know there was a small pool of people doing this kind of work. So. You, you were never up against sort of 50 other candidates for anything. Um, if you were any good and rocked up, they'd probably take you on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so the, uh, so when you uh, started at COI, what sort of work were you doing there? So the COI was the person who came along to see this, the system at the Barbican. I went then to work at DataSolve. So the COI guy was just a sort of conduit to recommending uh -huh. me. For the DataSolve job, okay. uh, and DataSolve was a Prestel IP, so they had a lot of finance and travel clients. Uh, we used to ring up and get the tourist rates from NatWest every day, and there was always giggling in the background because everyone was trying to make everybody else laugh. It was just a really, really good fun. I was designer, but I, I did used to help out with editing and you know everything really. So the Prestel that you mentioned, then, is this the system that people could dial into from their from from their computer terminals? Yeah, so Prestel was predominantly, I would say, used by travel agents in the finance sector. Um, I think a few people had it at home, but, you know, you, the kit was quite expensive. So whereas uh, teletext is broadcast, the data is broadcast with the TV signal, as you'll know, uh, Prestel and video text, it's all data sent by phone or cable TV systems. Uh, it comes through there. So, yeah, so dial-up, it was like pre-dial-up internet you know, lots of phone bills um, and uploading pages. You do everything offline, you're editing hundreds of pages and then do what they call the bulk update, um, where it would dump all the data at the BT. They had several servers like called Dryden and Kipling, the computers. They all named after poets, as I remember. So the, the main bulk of the work was sort of like for finance and, and travel agents. So was there any chance of you to um, to delight people with your wonderful artwork? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, lots of logos. They obviously needed branding for companies, logos, all the banks. So I did the big black horse for uh, Lloyd's. You'd, you know, you'd get one main page with the logo and then the rest of it would be just text. But I quite I enjoyed the fact that you had to be really economic with your space because you've got a small space to to get your message across, whether it's visual uh, images, graphics or text. Uh, and I quite liked trying to get the message across with the limitations of the colours and obviously the characters. Um, and even now, if I'm doing a document, I keep it to one page. I do not let things run over like one line into two pages. I'm quite uh, on, you know, make the most of, use a small amount of information, but make it work for you. And I'm sure that's because of how I started in doing Presto pages and text pages. Mm, yeah, less is more, certainly. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, Don't yeah. waffle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could take a few tips from that. Um, the, the the horse that you mentioned uh, for Lloyd's, um, yeah. I would imagine that would be like the worst ever job interview for a graphic designer working with um, with with Prestel. Well, to be honest, I don't have an art background. I, I'm quite creative, but I quite like drawing things out of little squares. Um, so it wasn't a nightmare for me. I took to it really naturally. But I'm sure if you were a proper designer, you'd probably be like pulling your head off. Uh, but I'm not a proper designer, so I was okay. It's like cross stitch, you know, little squares, and I, I do so. So I, I guess I could. I, I just had the right head for the job. With your time um, at DataSolve, um, did that move on to anything else? Yeah, from DataSolve, I saw an ad uh, for another Prestel IP, GWV, which was Gwyn Williams View Data, and they put an ad on saying, "Do you want to work in TV?" Um, and because he had quite a lot of clients that were theatre and television and whatever, he did Time Out, for example, at GWV. So I moved from DataSolve to GWV. Again, I think they only interviewed two people. Um, and I was delighted to leave DataSolve and leave all the finance clients behind because they were a bit boring, like NatWest, Lloyd's, uh, all the insurance companies. And then GWV bought all the Prestel IP data from DataSolve. So all the clients came back. And I had to work on them again, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah, so you were moving on to um, work, working with um, like the, the arts and uh, gig guides and things like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you, you're just getting your feet under the table, and then Lloyd's come knocking it back at the door, wanting their APRs. It's fine. I mean, I knew all about it, so it's just. A, but you should never kind of hate part of your job because you never know if it's going to come back and bite you. <laughs> And they also did Westminster cable text listings. Um, so that was a, another a new type of page to put together. And the people who ran Westminster cable, I ended up working for one of them later on at Videotron cable. So again, it's like a very small, you know, be nice to everybody because you don't know who you're going to bump into in a few years. Can you tell me a bit more about Westminster cable? Westminster cable was, well, a, a cable service for the Bar London Borough of Westminster. So it was TV listings predominantly, as far as I can remember. Um, but yeah, t as you can imagine, a TV listing for all the channels they had on Westminster Cable. Oh, I see. So like if you had uh, cable being piped in, you'd have like an information service piped yes. in on top of it. I think that was run on an apricot PC, as far as I can remember. Everything else we did at DataSolve and GWV, I used the Torch computers for which were massive. Seen some torches in the wild. It's um, So that would be the application from there, sort of a terminal computer, are they? Oh, yeah, yeah, this huge metal thing dedicated to doing 
uh, video tax view data. Mm. Well, they certainly do look the part. <laughs> it's it. like something from the Starship Enterprise. Well, <laughs> it not not it's not lights and bells and whistles, but it's just massive metal thing with a slot in the front for your five-inch floppies. So at that time, when the cable companies were launched, I think that was probably sort of like the late 80s, early 90s, wasn't it, when uh, cable was, was coming through to people's sets? Um, yeah. And was there quite a proliferation of uh, companies? Yeah, there was. I mean, when I moved to go and work uh, after GWV, I actually got offered a job at Videotron Cable and United Artists for their text. So that's obviously a big film company, but they their channel wanted uh, to, to run text. So I was offered jobs at both places, which was quite nice. Did the technology sort of evolve as you were moving on? Not really. Well, I mean, I say not really. When I was at GWV, they pitched for a, uh, a contract with Halifax Building Society to, to again run an in-house data system. But that was actually level two and level three text. So I did learn a bit about the higher levels, which, of course, was brilliant. You've got loads of colours and you can do proper shapes and everything. Um, but it took a long time to do the pages and all the software. It, we, it was in conjunction with Philips. So all the software was in German and I don't speak German. Um, but you just had to kind of use your initiative and I made it work. But, I, you know, they didn't get the contract. So that was only maybe three or four months of working with level two and three. Also at that time, was the internet beginning to uh, make a dent into the, 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 the information that you were providing? Was it being sourced elsewhere by your clients? I would say that that was a bit later on because I moved from, I worked at Teletext from 92 to 95 and left mm. in 95 to go on to design websites. So I would say by around 94, 95, the internet was starting to blossom and people were realising that actually there are other places you can put this information and, and do a lot more with it. So you mentioned Teletext. How did you uh, land a job there? Was it a similar sort of thing? Uh, that's quite funny, actually. I, I actually approached them three times. Uh, I, I sent a letter and then I think I rang up and I kind of gave up. But somebody who worked in the uh, client services department had worked at Oracle and had also worked with me at GWV. She said they really needed a designer. I said, well, I have asked twice. Anyway, third time lucky. They interviewed me and I got the job. So whether my letters didn't get to the right place in the pre-email days, um, and then, so I was the graphic designer for the sales department, but I did do work for editorial as well. So I, at one stage, I was sitting upstairs with Paul Rose and uh, Tim from who did Digitizer, and everybody knows them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very, very notorious in in uh, in, in teletext uh, circles. Yeah, it was like working in a boy's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was good good fun, but probably a bit of a mess as well. Uh, yeah, but I've, I'm a middle child with an elder brother and a younger brother, so I, it just washed over me. It was they were they were not really nice to work with. Mm. But then I was moved to work downstairs with sales. They they stuck the designers together for practicality, mm. but then they decided I was better off located with the team I was supposed to be working with. So uh, that's what happened. Mm. It's been previously mentioned in the series by um, Graham Lovelace that the design department at Teletext Limited um, had what they called real estate on every page that was a bit that that you had to um had to design and it was either like um a, a quarter page on page four or or the bottom two lines of each page was that right yeah yeah so they'd have strap lines for to like teasers for sales 
on other pages to get people to move to you know to click onto another page uh, and also there were icons for editorial there would be icons maybe a two inch square icon in the top left i think it was or top right i can't remember you know a little christmas present or a i don't know a shoe you know depending on what the story was about uh which again is a challenge trying to get something that's recognizable in a small amount of pixels did you get any feedback from any clients about um people saying oh you know what why 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 is there why is there something at the bottom of my story uh, a big yellow strap line with with blue writing on it i didn't but i didn't really speak to a lot of clients directly so um it was you know the sales department would do their bit and we i'd just get something in my intro to say right can you put this together i mean a, a story i've told before is that somebody sold an advert to orange phones and i said to him what colour would you like me to use on this then? And there was like silence because there isn't any orange. So I think we probably went black and white on that one. That yeah, that that is a that, that that's probably and that is, the, I'm not an urban myth. I, no. That it was me and the salesperson and me rolling my eyes. <laughs> do you not do orange? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't think of a worse company that would need to advertise them actually actually on teletext. Um, I how he sold them the ad, I have no idea, but but on mm. him, you know, that's yeah. amazing. You being in the sales department for teletext limited, you were actually the lifeblood, weren't you? So I guess your intro was always full up. Yes, it was. I mean, some of the other, they called them client services operators who were basically a whole room of people doing updates to a lot of uh, things like the racing pages and the um, holiday stuff. Uh, some of them became quite good at doing the graphics. So I would, I'm quite happy for anyone to have a go. You know, if it looks all right, fine. Um, but I was the sort of main, I was the designer for the sales and marketing side. Do you miss working at Teletext? It was a it was a very good atmosphere. Uh, I mean, the offices in Farm Lane in Fulham are now housing loads of houses. I think uh, it was just yeah, it was a moment in time, and it was it was great fun. But as I say, I left to do websites, which was the right thing to do because clearly that's the way it all went anyway. Mm, yeah, it was clearly the the, the direction of travel. So uh... yeah, I mean the the I I'd like to think that View Data and Teletext laid the groundwork for the internet. You know, people being able to access information instantly. But once it blossomed, it there's no way that text was going to be able to even. You know, it wasn't a poor relation; it was a dead relation. I, I guess it it facilitated the um, the internet. Um, without it, the uh, without it, people wouldn't have been used to getting information so easily. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, now I'd love to show you sort of a 15, 16 year old. Oh, this is how we used to get, you know, my ex-boyfriend used to listen to or follow the cricket on what would have been Oracle, I guess, at the time or, or Teletext. You know, I don't think teenagers would be able to get their head around the fact that this was the only way you could get information unless you put the TV on, you know. Yeah, and and that, and at that time with only four or five channels. Exactly, um, yeah. I, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. a different world. You don't know the born. <laughs> <laughs> well, nostalgia certainly ain't what it used to be, Sarah. That's no, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, um. What 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 are you up to now, Sarah? What 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 can we? I where can we find as, you? I work as a freelance virtual PA, and I'm a proofreader, and I do a bit of property management. So, absolutely nothing to do with any of these jobs that I've done. Uh, the proofreading, though, I definitely, because I have got an interest in lang language and, like I say, being economical with words, don't use too many. So it does have a bit of a crossover with doing text pages. Uh, 
yeah, so it might not sound very exciting, but I like it and I have nice clients and I can work at home in my pyjamas. So do you still keep any of your artwork on those old five and a quarter inch floppies anywhere? No, no. I've got one booklet that they did, they did a teletext of, a, of various designs that people did, predominantly probably Paul Rose and I, but a few by other people. But no, I don't have anything from those days apart from this one booklet. Mm. And do you still dabble with old computers or anything like that or is that just all completely in the past now no uh i fancied getting a raspberry pi but i'm so busy with work and i do a lot of stuff I've, i live in derbyshire having relocated from london in 2019 uh so i do quite a lot of stuff locally in the village and i just don't have the time really and i do flower arranging and painting and making scarecrows and I've, i'm always doing something so uh the the it side is sort of died off a little bit but it does frustrate me I mean I used to uh, one of the jobs I did it was pre-windows so you had to know a bit of DOS to get the stuff to work it probably with the IBM PCs that I used at uh, GWV um, that you now it's more difficult to delve and find you know Windows is great and don't even get me start on Apple devices because they don't want you to do any delving so I'm absolutely, I've never had an Apple device and I would never have one. Um, I'm completely a uh, Windows or DOS girl. Uh, but no, I can't say that I've got any flags to wave, say I'm doing brilliant programming or anything. I, I did find programming interesting when I learned to do websites. I wrote HTML from scratch, which clearly several years later, people just, it was all done, you know, with programs rather than you having to write the code. Uh, so I enjoyed it, but um I'm, I'm happy what i do mm. in other ways now well thank you very much for uh, joining us sarah that's uh it's been really really great to speak to you no very happy to speak to you and like i say i'm pleased to be one of the women definitely our premier video text you don't really come across as many people in that that sort of arm of it as you do with the, the teletext now i think mm. um but i think it is great that there is an interest in this quite quirky technology because uh, for ages I people used to take the mickey out of me about yeah it's not really proper design is it mm. and I think well people mm. are paying me to do it so but yeah. now it's really you know you get retro items in paper chase and it's all little squares and it may it, I have a wry smile when I see an ad or anything that's remotely looks like 8-bit somebody did a Christmas jumper and I was looking at going well you couldn't have actually made that shape but, no. but then my husband would just say, oh, really, Sarah, just get over yourself. It's really kind of you to um, come along and share your thoughts, Sarah. It's brilliant. No, very happy to. Like I say, my husband's kind of like, oh, God, another another nerdy bloke wants to talk to you. I know, <laughs> I, said, I know. I said, well, I'm a nerdy woman, so shut yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> well, just promise him it's the last one ever. Just promise him that until <laughs> until the next oh, one comes he's along. All right. he's all yeah. right. He's, he's, he'll think if she's happy, I'm happy. Yeah. Sarah Scott Rivers there. I'd like to thank her for her contribution to the Teletext People podcast. You can send feedback via the Discord group where there's a link in the program notes. Or you can contact me at Teletextar or you can email sunspotstories at gmail.com. Remember, you can always rate this podcast uh, by some magical algorithm that probably helps the podcast along a bit. Or you can like it on YouTube. Teletext People is a Bite High No Limit production and is presented by me, Carl Atrell. And until next time, keep it blocky.